Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jarden's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Scott Taylor, the CEO and co-founder of Perks Health. Thanks for joining us today, Scott. Hi, thanks, Elise. Great to be here. So let's kick it off by talking to me about what does Perks Health do? Yeah, well, I mean, Perks Health does a lot of things, but I think um, first and foremost, it helps engage patients who have chronic illnesses, uh, stick to their treatment and ultimately see better health outcomes. We work with some of the largest insurers, healthcare systems in Australia and now actually globally to deliver those programs to patients, help them see better outcomes and ultimately help them improve their health. When did you start the business and what's that revenue model? Yeah, we started Perks almost six years ago now. And you know, the way that we work is by delivering our product to users for free, but we deliver programs that are paid for by healthcare systems, health insurers, large healthcare organizations, who are ultimately you know, either end up either paying for unnecessary hospitalizations due to people living with chronic illnesses not successfully managing their condition, or ultimately you end up having to, to deal with kind of the fallout by providing care for those patients. And then you mentioned you're across a couple of countries. Can you tap into further whereabouts they are? Yeah, we launched in Australia five years ago. And then actually, before we even planned to be across in the United States, which is clearly one of the largest healthcare markets and one of the most expensive healthcare markets in the world, I actually received an inbound from our healthcare system over in Texas. I happened to be in San Francisco at the time, so flew over there to meet with them. And about 18 months ago now, I launched with them as our first US customer. And now we have over 5,000 patients, American patients uh, across the US using our product. And that first customer is, a, is an incredible kind of supporter of ours. So currently in Australia and the US, got our eyes on several other markets, but I think the US market in and of itself is so immeasurably huge uh, relative to the Australian one that it's our core focus at the moment. I will ask a few more of those numbers if you have them, Scott, um, after I ask the question firstly. about you mentioned about the inbound from Texas as to how you kind of tapped into that market. How do you reach your customers? Yeah. So, I mean, for us, it's a really kind of a, a typical enterprise sales type of model. We have a number of ways of kind of getting in front of customers. I mean, it was actually interesting the, that first customer in the US came about. I was in San Francisco actually pitching to raise capital. It was part of our last fundraising round. And during that, you know, I actually presented at a conference in San Francisco. And from that conference, actually, someone who was in the audience had recently been talking to a friend who had been talking about the exact problem that we solve for healthcare systems and, and healthcare organizations. And so he then made the introduction and I received a, an email out of the blue from the chief operating officer at this uh, healthcare system in Texas. And kind of from there, we, we worked with them on, on talking about what we could do, what we could deliver for them and their patients. And that, yeah, has built out that partnership. Interesting. So let's move on to the industry. Now, have you gone and been able to identify how you see your addressable market, whether it's here and or in the US's starting points? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge addressable market. I mean, even if we just think about people living with chronic conditions, taking medication, there's estimates of half a trillion dollars a year globally lost due to people struggling to stick to their treatment plans. And that's because, you know, if you struggle to stick to your treatment plan, whether that's medication, whether that's physical therapy, whether it's logging clinical measurements or even just attending appointments as, as regularly as you should or as you're recommended to by your, your clinician or your specialist, you're far more likely to end up in hospital. And, yeah, there's some crazy stats around, you know, people over the age of 65, you know, 30% of hospitalizations are due to them struggling to stick to treatment. So avoidable, you know, if we can actually help people engage with their treatment plan and, and stick to it over the long term. 
And so the market size is huge in terms of being able to prevent that and ultimately working with large insurers, large payers, large healthcare systems to prevent that loss. So do you find that when you talk about the trillions of dollars that are spent there, is that that's already being spent today on that preventative care or is that the repercussions of not taking that preventative care? Yeah. So, I mean, the expenditure on preventative care, I mean, even if we just think about the US market alone, around 90% of healthcare costs in the US are people living with chronic illnesses. Okay. And so, it's a huge proportion of their almost $4 trillion they spend and you know, a crazy proportion of the GDP that is spent on people living with chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. And then we do know that a large chunk of that is you know, actually avoidable spend that if we can help people better stick to their treatment plan, better manage their condition, prevent the escalation of care by better self-management, we can avoid a chunk of that cost. Absolutely, and make for a better lifestyle too, I, I envision. Definitely. In actual practice, how do you find your, do you have any usage rates around, you know, if my health insurer said, here's a preventative care program for me, what percentage go and actually use it? Because I know often I get told, go yeah. and do whatever it is, and um, I don't touch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. This. And it's ultimately one of the things that um, it really differentiates us from a lot of other solutions out mm-hmm. there. Perks from, from day one has been really focused on engagement. And when you think about engagement, engagement consists of a number of things. The first is the problem that you mentioned of enrolment. And we know that typical digital health solutions, when they're offered to patients, around 5% of people who are actually eligible for the solution end up enrolling. Now, we've actually run programs successfully now where over 50% of eligible patients are enrolling in our programs. Similarly, when we think about that, it means all well and good to enroll a patient in one of those programs. But the thing about managing a chronic condition is that you have it for the rest of your life. So even if you enroll, you need to then stick with the program long enough for it to have a meaningful impact on your lifestyle outcomes, your health outcomes, and ultimately for the insurer or the healthcare system paying for it, the economic outcomes of you not ending up in hospital or you not ending up seeing your condition escalate. And so what is really important is not just that initial enrolment, but also that ongoing engagement. You know, how long do people stick with the program? There was a you know, actually frightening statistic I, I read the other day from a study that was undertaken in 2020 where they looked at over 100,000 participants in digital health programs. The average length of time that people actually engaged with those programs was 5.5 days. And so when we're talking about a chronic illness that someone's managing for the rest of their life, less than a week isn't really long enough to have a meaningful impact on someone's uh, health outcomes in someone's life. Perks in comparison, we see the average patient uses our solution for over 189 days. And so we can have that long-term change where we can, we are in long-term engagement, where we can actually see that prolonged engagement, help people form habits and actually change behavior for the long-term and see better outcomes as a result. Fantastic. And I'm curious, so when you try out the software, are you finding that you know, the insurance companies that are subsidizing and helping to fund it. Do you find that those guys will try it in a cohort of customers to start with, then they'll eventually roll it out? Or how do they reach their guys and get that level of engagement that we discussed? Yeah, it varies a little bit from customer to customer. And yeah, that's probably the kind of nuance of our terminology. We think of our members as, as those patients who are managing chronic illnesses who are not paying for the product. And then our customers are those health insurers or healthcare systems. Ultimately, yes, those customers want to you know, test and see how Perks works with their population. One of the nice things we're seeing now that we've worked with over a dozen of these customers across Australia and the US is that more and more we've worked with you know, a comparable customer with a comparable patient set. We've got some great data. We've even got clinical research from you know, the University of Sydney and the University of Technology Sydney, and we're, we're talking to overseas 
research partners at the moment where we can actually take and say, look, hey, for a similar population, we've delivered a program that not only can engage those patients, not only can get them to adhere to their treatment plan, but can also improve their health outcomes in a clinical and measurable way. And actually, you know, we've got some great data around what is then the cost impact for that insurer. And so for one leading global insurer that we work with, we delivered a program for their members and we saw over $6,000 in cost savings for every patient that they put onto Perks versus the patients that they didn't put onto Perks. And obviously, when we have compelling data like that and they're seeing a eight times return on investment on their their program, they're pretty excited to roll it out to as many people as possible. And with that customer in particular, we've grown from initially working with a subset of their patients in one state, in one part of their business, to now rolled out across all states, across all their business lines and across all products. And I think that's one of the really nice things about Perks is that we have a very much a a land and expand kind of strategy where we might start off with a small pilot, with a small cohort, but ultimately a lot of the customers that we're engaging with are huge and are covering millions of of lives. and, And it's about us working with them to understand what they need to see to scale us out across all those, those patients that they could deliver us to. Fantastic. And let's talk about the competitive landscape. You did mention that there are a few other competitors. Are there any that you're willing to name and or point to what you find that differentiates you? So if you do talk to some of those suppliers, why do they choose you over your peers? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I think you know, ultimately anyone who says they don't have a competitor is, is probably uh, in for a rude shock and is about to find out that they do. I mean, I think when we think about particularly in the US where you know, digital health is a much more mature industry than it is necessarily in Australia, we're really competing with anyone who is going after the same wallet share that we are, which is around investing in patients living with chronic disease to try and improve their outcomes and ultimately improve the cost that they are to that insurer or to that healthcare system or to that healthcare organization. And so some of the big names that you kind of see there is the Lavongos of the world who were you know, acquired by Teladoc about two years ago, Amada Health, you know, they're probably the kind of big names that everyone's familiar with. I'd say in terms of like how does Perks work slightly differently or operate slightly differently, there's there's probably two or three big things. The first is that engagement. When we look at a lot of the peers in the industry, we see those comparable issues around the low enrollment that you mentioned up front around you know, struggling to actually get to all those patients. And we have theses as to why that is, the ability to you know, offer coaching program to appeal to patients who are, say, non-health literate. Or just you know, the fact that people often struggle to make the right decision for their long-term health and offering a program focused on health is tricky. The other thing is I'd say that perks can be used to manage and you know, almost any condition. And ideally, actually, our sweet spot is people who are living with multiple chronic conditions. So we often you know, are aware of people living with diabetes or living with a cardiovascular disease or a mental health or behavioral health condition. The reality is those highest-risk patients they're not just managing a single condition, they're managing multiple. They're having comorbidities, which means that you know, someone living with diabetes also is more likely to have a cardiovascular issue, is also more likely to have a mental health issue or a musculoskeletal issue. Perks can help manage that entire patient across all their care, whereas a lot of other digital health solutions are very condition siloed. And part of the reason for that and you know, the reason why we get the engagement that we do and the reason that we are able to support patients across all their conditions is because Perks is built around behaviours as opposed to education. So the way that we engage patients for you know, 35 times more days than the average typical digital health solution is that we don't rely on health or education as a means for people to engage with our solution. We focus on behavioral science drivers, things like gamification and rewards, consumer kind of engagement strategies. 
we think about engaging our patients more the way that Netflix or Facebook thinks about engaging its users as opposed to necessarily trying to educate people to engage. And how easy is it to replicate your business? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, a lot of kind of our secret sauce happens behind the scenes. And so, you know, we'll often have, we'll talk to big customers and they're kind of, we'll give them the demo of the patient experience or the demo of the clinician experience of what we deliver. And they kind of, you can kind of almost tell that their back solve, could we actually build this internally? I think the reality is that a lot of what we do, and because it's not just educational content or it's not just a coaching script, a lot of what we do is figuring out what motivates an individual at the right time to engage in their healthcare. What works for Elise versus what works for Scott. In the same way that if you or I logged into our Facebook feeds right now or our Netflix right now, those two companies would be trying to engage us in very different ways. They'd be trying to engage us based on our behaviours in the past. Perks works very similarly in that we think about what is the thing that is most likely to resonate with Scott. Is Scott going to be most motivated by rewards or is Elise more likely to be motivated by a community challenge? And then what we'll do is personalise that experience to the individuals over time. And so a lot of that learning and a lot of those algorithms that decide what to present to who's at the right time actually sits under the hood and isn't necessarily obvious from a, an app demo or someone using our app. And you know, that probably makes it a bit different and a bit more difficult to replicate our business. And you know, it's I think one of the things that we get is that kind of virtuous cycle of data where the more users we work with, the more customers we work with, the better our product performs. And we've actually seen that in our underlying product metrics over the years where the level of engagement is stepping up year on year on year and the level of adherence is stepping up year on year on year because we're just getting better at doing what we do. I am very curious. I, <laughs> I might even ask for a test demo to see sure. if we can get my level of engagement with the physio up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk to some of the unit economics. So do you have any types of data? You mentioned that the engagement levels are high, but what type of churn do you see from your guys? You know, they've got these elements which they last for several years. Do you find that the customers stay for a longer time and even, you know, the hospitals or insurers that have brought the product on board, do you find they come and go and switch and change or do they stay for a long period of time? Yeah, I mean, really good question. And I think probably you also have to kind of unpick there's obviously, you know, we need to think about our customer metrics and our member metrics or our user mm-hmm. metrics, but customers being the healthcare systems and payers and insurers, and then members being the um, the individual patients. I mean, mm-hmm. we see you know, incredibly strong engagement and retention of our patients. And we do see that kind of effectively once we enroll patients in a program, they, they stick around to it for an extremely long period of time, particularly relative to some of those other digital health peers. On the customer side, being ultimately those people who you know, pay high revenue, being insurers and large healthcare systems, well, in those two segments, we haven't lost a single customer since we launched. And that's been really pleasing to see. I mean, it's been nice that you know, kind of we've got fantastic, what we call is kind of you know, net revenue retention because you know, ultimately, as I mentioned before, it's kind of that very much land and expand strategy where we have some customers who are paying, you know, kind of because they've rolled us out across their business and across different business lines, you know, the revenue that we're seeing from those customers is 5, 10, 15 times what it was in the first month we worked with them because they're rolling it out to broader groups of patients. I'm just thinking about some of the input costs, if you could talk about that. I mentioned it's quite high margin because each incremental spend from that one same customer, is there much further immediate costs that go into the business? Yeah, so there is a little bit. So you know, unlike a pure play SaaS where mm-hmm. you know, everything is software cost, is, you know, marginal cost is, is effectively as close to zero as you can get, we do invest in that that member engagement. So things like rewards, things like additional support and coaching where we're recognizing that the patient is struggling. Ultimately, we want to make sure that patient stays engaged, sees better outcomes, and ultimately deliver those results for our customers. 
And so we do have some variable component. It's not free for us to add every incremental user. At the same time, we see a lot of opportunity there to improve that and become more efficient in the way that we do that over time. So we've had over 20,000 patients come through Perks programs to date. And every additional patient who comes through, we're learning more and more about how do we most efficiently allocate the rewards costs that we do have. And 20% of long-term Perks members have never claimed a reward that they've earned in Perks. And so for them, it's about their streak or it's about community challenges and everything else. And so the smarter we can get around how do we drive the best possible outcome for patients at the lowest possible variable cost is fantastic. And the nice thing is for our customers, they know that and they know that ultimately all our incentives are aligned between the patient getting better health outcomes, our customers getting better outcomes for their patients in terms of hospitalizations and healthcare costs, and ultimately perks in terms of being able to you know, deliver the best possible outcome at the lowest possible cost. And, and that's something our customers really like is that we kind of often will price in a way that aligns all three of our incentives to, to deliver the best possible outcome for the patient and the organization. Sounds very customer-centric. One of the biggest challenges I find with the startups is you want to do everything yesterday. Now, thinking about your growth, if you had to lean towards being more global orientated or expanding into even other verticals or getting more out of those existing customers that you mentioned, where and how do you rate those priorities? (laughs) It's a really good question because I think it's the eternal question on a startup founder's mind, particularly at, at the stage we're at where as of 12 months ago, I mean, the global perk sales team was myself and my co-founder. And we had a, an awesome customer success person supporting us. We're fortunate that we raised some money mid last year, which enabled us to go out and actually bring on board you know, some experienced sales execs in, in the US and in Australia and then expand that customer success team. And so we don't necessarily have to trade off between those things. But I think uh, if we kind of thought about the overarching strategy for perks at the moment... It's really to translate the model that we've proven works really well in Australia and replicate that in, in the US. And we've obviously got that first customer over there that's doing fantastically well. We're currently talking to a number of other health insurers and healthcare systems in the US that we expect to launch in the next few months where you know, we'll be replicating that same success story that we've seen in Australia. And so for us, it, you know, very much focused on those new sales. But we are seeing fantastic growth in our existing customers as well. And that's a testament to our, our customer success team who do a phenomenal job of, of working with those customers, not just to make sure that their programs are a success, that we get those fantastic enrollment and engagement rates that we talked about, but also working with those customers in showing, yes, the patients are loving the experience, they're seeing better outcomes, they're seeing improved health, but then how does that affect your bottom line and how does that justify the investment in this program? And so that's super important as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again, Scott Taylor, CEO and co-founder of Perks Health. I'm sure we will be hearing a lot about the business over the next couple of years and I look forward to it. Thanks, Elise. Really appreciate it.